Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Spilling Lemonade Podcast. This is your host, Cammie Nelson, and I'm here with a very, very special guest today. I am with... Sorry if I say it wrong. I am no, with... no. Okay. I am with um, Amali. Amalia, yeah. Amalia Lee. Yeah. Um, and she is a ED recovery coach, a mental health advocate, founder of Let's Recover, based in the UK host of Recovery Talk podcast and a recovery influencer. I am super excited to have her with me today. And do you want to say anything, add anything? I think you summed me up very good. <laughs> Thank you. Um. All right. Without further ado, the topic of this podcast today is going to be early recovery. Um, now, I know personally, I get quite a lot of questions in my DMs and everything just about starting recovery and early recovery those first really month or two. And I just thought we could dive right into that. I haven't really talked about early recovery very much. So also apologies if my voice is a little hoarse. I do currently have COVID. Um, oh, get better <laughs> soon. <laughs> uh, I'm feeling great, but my voice is still a little bit down. So if sorry to anyone listening who's can hear the scratchiness in my throat. Uh, without further ado, here's my first question for you. Okay. Um, okay. One thing I get asked a lot is just like, what helped you find the motivation or the will to start your recovery? Uh, that is something I'm asked a lot. And my answer to that is kind of that, I guess I didn't, right? Which sounds weird. Let me explain that. So before I started recovery, I spent so much time just waiting and waiting for the like the magical moment where I would have like an epiphany and like, oh my God, and now I'm ready to recover. So I kept waiting for the light bulb moment. And I often say that my light bulb moment was realizing there is no light bulb moment, right? So eventually I came to a point where I was like, okay, maybe the, that magical moment where I suddenly wake up one morning and I'm feeling ready to recover is not going to happen. And I think that was the closest thing I came to a revelation was realizing I wasn't going to have one and that instead I had to do it regardless. So I, I guess that is it. I had to really like motivation is great, but it comes in waves, right? So in order for me to get started with recovery, I also just had to see it as something I needed to be determined to do, right? Um, more than something I really wanted to do. And the more like, excitement and motivation and wanting to that more actually came later as a result of my determination not the other way around I absolutely agree with that I had a very similar experience in terms of there was never really until about a few months into recovery I never had like a light bulb moment um and I always like to tell people that it was really like at one point I had to be autopilot like even if you have no motivation no determination you do it anyways yeah and you know, I really like when people say, like, you're never going to be ready. Like, I kept waiting for so long. For years, I was like, well, when I'm ready, I'll recover. But you're, most people, very few people are like, yes, I really am ready. Exactly. I have, I am so ready to face all the challenges ahead of me. And so I think that was a really great answer. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, it's a, such a common one, you know. I very 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 rarely see people just feeling being like oh this is the perfect moment right and even if it is that is a fluctuating feeling you may feel like oh yeah today I'm motivated but tomorrow you may not be right so that is an unreliable thing to rely on motivation absolutely I think motivation just like everything else for the most part in recovery is so fleeting and fluctuating uh 
I know, especially in early recovery, you know, one thing I'd be struggling with one day, the next day I was totally easy peasy and something else yeah, was a challenge. Exactly. Exactly. That is such a common one where something can be super difficult one day and then the next day it's easy. It can the recovery itself. I think a lot of people expect it to be very like linear, linear. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying that word correctly, but I mean, expect it to be like a straight graph, but actually it ends up just being up and down, up and down. And that is just part of it, right? It is a fluctuating thing. It is not something that's always predictable. And of course, people kind of hate hearing this because they want it to be planned out, predictable, be, you know, but that's just not how it works. And I think the sooner you're able to embrace the messiness of recovery, the better. I think it's so important to embrace the messiness of recovery, especially since in a general speaking, um, eating disorders can be so rigid and so planned out and so meticulous that, you know, a lot of recovery is doing the opposite of what your brain and your eating disorder want you to do. And your eating disorders, even if it, like, sometimes it might, for me, at least it made, like, it tried to make deals in early recovery. Like, okay, you can recover, but it can only be to this extent, or you have to do it according to the plan to make sure you don't do it wrong or they don't mess up and I think letting it be messy and all over the place and just can be really important to go against that oh that is so so true this is the thing that the eating disorder perfectionism often tries to sneak into recovery and then the way that eating disorder will try and camouflage yourself is by trying to making deals right okay well you can recover but you should do it with some sprinkles of the eating disorder right but again like I always said with an eating disorder you give it an inch and it takes a mile right you can't just recover with just some sprinkles of the eating disorder and then expect full recovery right yeah I absolutely agree with that I mean it really your eating disorder will take a mile even if you give it an inch like yeah um one of those things I wanted to talk about actually was like what were some of the like in recovery, what were some of your, for you anyways, or that you see in like clients and such, what are some of the common biggest struggles in recovery, early recovery, like blocks from, you know, making it move forward or stuff like that? Oh, so many, but a very common one is one that's also a big paradox, right? One of the big things I see is someone being convinced that it is too late for me but also too early for me right I'm too sick oh no I don't really need this right so there's that constant like yo-yoing between oh I'm uniquely flawed I can't do this I can't get started I'm too sick there's no hope for me and then also being like well do I really need this do I really really need recovery right that constant like flip-flopping between there and actually realizing that yeah I do need this and maybe I don't feel like doing it but I need it right that is a big one and another one is wanting to do recovery the perfect way and spending a lot of time just constantly thinking should I do it this way should I do it that way like should I oh I read about like the all-in approach and then I read about this approach and like oh my god which approach should I do and then instead of that actually being like genuinely researching hey what is the best way to recover for me which is a good thing it becomes a way of procrastinating because you want to do it perfect and I think perfectionism holds people back a lot because perfectionism don't make you do things perfectly it just makes you not do something at all it just creates procrastination right so I think that endless procrastination of getting started like do I really need this how should I do this that is a big one I see Oh, absolutely. Kind of going back to the uh, first one you had mentioned really quick, the paradox of like too late, too early. I really like the term when, and I think this is a pretty universal for a lot of people experience, um, 
of believing like you're the unicorn in recovery. You're oh. the, you're, which for those of you who don't understand what that saying, like the unicorn is, it's saying that there's like when people say, well, like most of the time, almost all the time, this is going to happen. You know, your eating disorder is like, well, not for me. Like I'm mm. not going to recover. I'm the one person who recovery won't work for. I'm the one person who won't like recovery after they're recovered. Like, mm, yeah, exactly. It, it's funny. Cause I actually like, I, I first, I started basically writing about the unicorn syndrome, uh, literally years and years ago. Right. And I still have not seen a unicorn. I'm waiting for it. And I always, when I get clients come, come to me, they're like, yeah, but well, I'm the unicorn. And I'm like, you know what? I would be very happy if you were, because then finally I would met the unicorn that I've been looking for, for literally like seven, eight years. That's when I first, you know, basically like kind of like coined the term. That was when I was like, okay, well, this is some, such a common thing in recovery. I still haven't seen a unicorn, right? Everyone is different. Everyone has a different path, but unicorns just still don't really seem to exist. Yeah, I, I agree with that. There's still, you know, the, at a point, you know, I mean, recovery is so individualized and unique for everyone. And at the same time, there's definitely parts of recovery that follow suit and such like, I have yet to meet someone who's fully recovered from the eating disorder and goes, you know what? I regret that. I, I wish I was <laughs> yeah. still my eating disorder. That was so much fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think that is, that's the one thing I, I have heard, I hear so many people regret that they haven't recovered or that they haven't started it sooner, but I haven't heard someone who's fully recovered who's regretted recovery. I have heard people who will have moments where they romanticize the eating disorder and they think that they miss aspects of it, but fully being like, shit, no, I really regret recovery. That's not really something you hear. Absolutely. And I think those moments of romanticization, I think, Unfortunately, I think the internet can make it really hard to not romanticize your eating disorder. Uh, there's a lot of romanticizing of them, especially mm-hmm. I would say on TikTok. Oh, and, okay. yeah. And I think, honestly, like one thing I always like when people ask for tips for early recovery, one thing I at least did for myself that helped was I had to delete TikTok completely and really avoid, you know, really filter and limit the rest of my content I was seeing on um Instagram make sure I was really truly following like only pro recovery you know pages not like quasi recovery or because there's a lot of oh my gosh like this is so unique and so look how sick I am and like it's not you know one thing I used to always remind myself is there's no prize for being the sickest and I think sometimes people on the internet can lose sight of that oh you know what I am so glad that I didn't go through my own recovery in the age of TikTok. Uh, I went through my own recovery like 2013, 2014. No, 2013. Yeah, it was been something like that. And then TikTok didn't exist, right? I I don't really use TikTok, but when I've gone on it a few times and just to check out how, how, how is the, how is the eating record, disorder recovery spaces, I was shocked. I was like, I was absolutely shocked. I was like, wait, is this what my clients are sitting there watching? I actually have had to make a lot of agreements with with clients, you know, TikTok. Mm, I would probably recommend staying away from the recovery spaces there. I, I'm not saying that the Instagram recovery spaces are perfect because they're absolutely not. But what I saw on TikTok were things that probably would have been taken down on Instagram, right? It was shocking. It was a lot of like, not necessarily journaling recovery, it's more like journaling a day in my illness, right? And I'm not saying that people shouldn't be able to allow to express themselves or seek support, but I don't necessarily think that the way it's 
gone ahead is helpful for the person going through it or the, the audience, right? I totally agree with that. I think that um, there's just a lot of different things. Like, I I remember one time I was luckily in a very good place. I consider myself recovered when I had seen this video. Um, I was like helping, you know, I have like a recovery page that I don't really post on, but that I like every now and then I go on TikTok to see like, okay, what are the people that I'm trying to help? What are they also seeing? And I go and I look and it was like, oh, what I eat in a day hospital edition or something like that. And I just remember thinking, I was like, those first of all, and, and I was like, how, how is this helpful? I'm sorry, but there's <laughs> red flags like everywhere. Like mm, it makes I me sad because it shouldn't be like, Ooh, like I get this experience, like in the hot, like mm. not a fun experience, not a goal. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just, it's just sad you know because i understand people are isolated and seek out support but again is it helpful for the people watching is it helpful for the person itself right and i thought it was pretty alarming what i saw so and the thing with tiktok what i often tell people uh, who are on tiktok uh, is that tiktok what it, the way that the algorithm works is that the more time you spend looking at something even if you're looking at it being enraged and like oh i hate looking at this oh this is so triggering or even if you report it tiktok is still gonna detect that you spent time looking at it so if you are very stubborn and you decided you're absolutely not going to go on of tiktok at least be very mindful of what you're spending time on when you see something that could potentially be triggering scroll as quickly as possible don't spend time like hate watching it and thinking you're going to report it just scroll right through it is not your job to be the tiktok police and report every pro anna or triggering thing you can see it's honestly sometimes better to just protect your space, scroll and try and be mindful. Also spend more time on things you like. If you see a cute puppy, spend some time looking at that because the algorithm will detect, oh, you like puppies and then give you more puppies, right? Instagram works like that as well, but TikTok especially. I snaps for that. I, one thing I really like that you said is like, it's not your job. Like, you know, especially if you're someone who's currently in recovery in the beginning, or even if you're later in recovery protecting yourself helping yourself get better that's your job and I think one thing that some, I see so many people lose sight of is like well I need to help others and I think that while helping others is amazing and I mean it's something me and you are both trying to do and I hope succeeding at um there's also a lot of like you need to make sure you're putting yourself first and so going through and being the TikTok police it's gonna seeing that content even if you're like, well, I'm going to see it so other people don't have to, you know, when you're in recovery, that's really like your job is to make sure that you can help yourself, that you can recover. And so I really like that you mentioned that. Yeah, exactly. And also you may think that you're helping people by reporting, but actually what very often tends to happen because TikTok seems to be very slack in terms of deleting things is that you're telling TikTok, hey, this is an interesting video. You should show it to more people when you're spending time watching it, right? So that that is another thing. And I understand the, I remember when I was in my own recovery, I wanted to help other people. And I did do that. That's how I started Let's Recover. I started, you know, sharing articles and stuff that helped me in my own recovery. I was 
I was kind of like, where, where's the science? Why isn't, why isn't my therapist explaining to me the science of why things are happening, right? That's how Let's Recover started in the first place. I wanted to help and support and simplify the science to a wider audience, right? But still, it is important. I came to a point where I was like, you know what? I actually need to take a step back from this. I need to take some step to focus on me. I don't know if I'm ready for this role yet. And I took, you know, several years just taking a step back until I was able to come towards it in a way that does not at all affect me negatively. Now, talking with clients, working with eating disorders, studying it, it is something that really energizes me. But in order to get to that point, I had to put a lot of boundaries and put myself first. Oh, I I think boundaries are so important. Like, I think turning something that happened to you into a passion and wanting to help others is absolutely amazing. And especially if you can do it in a healthy way that's healthy for you and for other people. Um, I Yeah, I think that's really great. And what you were doing also, I just wanted to say once again that that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, kind of moving on to another question. I get all the time in recovery and I already have my own opinions on it. And I think there's probably some common opinions on this, but I always get, I'm so scared to gain weight. Like, what if I gain too much weight? What if I don't stop ever gaining weight? Just so many questions regard- regarding weight gain and weight in general in the beginning of recovery. What what would you say to those kind of questions? Well, again, the whole thing with, oh, what if I never stop gaining weight? That is the unicorn syndrome coming in again, because our bodies are just not programmed to just never stop gaining weight, right? Uh, in terms of it, oh, what if I gain too much? What if I gain too fast? There is no such thing as gaining too much or too fast, right? Everyone gains in a different pace. And very often in early recovery, this happens to a lot of people, but not everyone. A lot of people experience that in the beginning, when they first start recovery, they may notice that they're gaining, uh, they're gaining faster on less, right? It's completely common. This is not a sign that your metabolism is ruined forever and that you can never increase. It is literally just a sign that you're still in starvation while your body's catching up, right? And then as you increase, which you should do, but unfortunately, a lot of people panic and then they're like, okay, what well, this means that I need to restrict throughout my recovery. Yeah, I mean, then you're not getting out of starvation mode, right? But if you're actually just working on increasing your intake, resting, right? What happens then is that your metabolism goes up. So just because you are gaining, you feel like you're gaining fast in early recovery doesn't mean that the pace will continue forever, right? It tends to go quick in early recovery, even though you're not eating that much. And then as you increase and time goes by, it slows down. I remember this for myself. I started out gaining very fast on very little. And I thought I am, you know, this, this is recovery doesn't work for me. Right. So I think that is one thing that I want to tell people who are in early recovery, who are terrified of weight gain and have their worst fears confirmed when they are experiencing maybe gaining quickly and gaining despite eating a very low intake, like it gets better. You have to trust the process says i i think that's awesome um i would personally give my own input but first of all you said pretty much everything i was thinking and also i am well i do hope and plan on being an eating disorders dietitian one day i'm not there yet so i'm not a professional so i'm not going to speak on the science end of this however i think everything you said was really great information and um yeah i definitely agree with a lot of what you said and just especially the part about to keep pushing because i think you know, recovery is made in such a way that it can really challenge you and push you, you know, past where you thought you could go and in your brain those first few months. And it, one thing I, I wanted, was curious if you agree with the phrase, like, I always apply this to recovery personally is like, I really do believe it gets worse before it gets better in recovery in terms of 
the beginning of recovery is much harder than maintaining an eating disorder. But eventually, once you're like farther down the road in recovery, recovery and being recovered is so much easier in the long run than maintaining an eating disorder. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, you know, that worse before better is something I tell clients all the time, right? Many things in recovery get worse before better, right? And in terms of is recovery harder or easier in early recovery? I mean, some people actually find that easier, find early recovery a little bit easier. They might be in a little bit of a honeymoon stage, a little bit excited. Yeah, I get to eat all the foods. No, 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 this is fun and exciting. But then things get more difficult. And again, it can really fluctuate, right? But overall, things such as, you know, uh, weight gain, you feel like the weight gain is going a lot faster than you than you feel comfortable with. You're feeling like you may notice certain physical symptoms such as water retention, digestive issues. These things tend to get worse before better in recovery. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, I agree with that. Like, especially I think that, you know, it really, as I had said before, like recovery is so individualized per person. So especially on like the more mental health front of it. I think, you know, some people, a lot of people actually experience like the honeymoon phrase. Like I know even I personally, like I, my first month of recovery, I was just stoked that I could eat like with, yeah. and that was like, my brain was allowing me to do that. Um, however, and I found like the next, you know, later bit of recovery to be harder. Um, but I definitely think in terms of like the physical aspects, oftentimes more than not, you know, the beginning of recovery, like if you, you know, not everyone has physical side effects of recovery, but if you are someone who does, I think that how you had said, like oftentimes those, you know, start as your body gets out of starvation mode and is adjusting and is on a much healthier regimen and everything. I think that um, that can get much easier. Yeah, exactly. And what I always remind people with this worse before better is don't blame recovery, right? Because very often people get angry at almost angry at recovery because they're like why is recovery making me for instance why is it giving me more digestive discomfort why is it for example some people may notice that they find that they lose more hair in recovery and then they're like well is that just shows that recovery is not good no actually what it is the sign of it this is a delayed reaction to the eating disorder right the digestive issues is a sign of how suppressed your digestive system has been right the hair loss is actually a delayed reaction to the eating disorder now your hair is starting to you know grow back out it will lose some hair and then grow back right it's it's literally just delayed reactions to starvation right so I always remind people don't blame on recovery what is actually caused by the eating disorder recovery your body is trying to your body is trying to heal itself right but again sometimes it can get worse before better just trust the process again I yes trusting the process and I think that's really awesome um kind of transitioning into another question I had was how I think it's like a relatively known fact that comparison is n- generally speaking not really the best idea in recovery however I know a lot of people I get asked me questions along the lines of like it's really hard not to compare especially with social media these days and it can go both ways it's hard to be like not to be like oh well they're they're doing better in quotes at recovery than I am or they're doing better in quotes at my eating disorder than I am and do you have any tips for like avoiding comparison or like mantras that have kind of helped you along with that yeah so this is a very very common one and what I tend to you know explain here is is that what tends to happen is a process that I call selective mirroring right so people with eating disorder they tend to mirror and observe things that confirm their disordered beliefs rather than just seeing the world objectively right we see the world 
as we are, not as the world is, right? So people with eating disorders, they will, for instance, see, oh, that person is eating less than me and then hyper-focus on that. But it could be that that, that you were set around a table with 10 people and nine of them were eating, you know, more than your similar amount and then the one person was restrictive then the person with an eating disorder tends to hyper focus on that restricted person right and same thing goes in the eating disorder recovery community someone may scroll and scroll and then suddenly there's one person who went on like a fitness journey and became like some body fitness athlete and started you know god knows what then the person with eating disorder will hyper focus and compare with that person right they will hyper focus on the person who oh that person has a smaller body body than me not everyone who has a body that may be bigger right so be aware how selective your eating disorder is with who it compares itself to right that's the first one and second of all just remember that everyone is different right as cliche as it is everyone is different you know your journey is your journey and you never know what's going on behind someone's instagram handle right so a, a typical one that I hear a lot from clients is that they will compare themselves to people who recover through quote unquote, so-called clean eating, right? Or orthorexia, as I like to call it, uh, or people who become in like, go into an extreme end and become professional body fitness athletes or people who go into raw veganism or kind of alternative lifestyles that are still revolved around food and body. And they're like, yeah, but why can that person do that? Why can't I, why can that person, you know, exclude all these foods and obsess about exercise, not me. And it's like, well, that person, how do you know that they are thriving so much? Because trust me, they're often the, they're, those people are often the one that comes to me for coaching because they're still just as miserable and just as trapped, right? And even if they weren't, would it work for you? I know for, my, for a fact that I couldn't have recovered and become some kind of fitness athlete because it would just not go with my eating disorder, right? So even if there hypothetically is someone who is fully recovered and loves doing a specific thing or engaging in some kind of, I don't know, God knows what, then it doesn't really matter because would it work for you, right? If other people can maybe recover and still engage in certain behaviors, well, can you, right? Oh, That's just be honest with yourself. I think being honest with yourself on that, especially with like who you're comparing to and all of that can be really important. I agree. There's so many people out there who are, you know, preaching, oh, like you can recover through clean eating. And I always, just sign out, I always laugh at the term clean eating because as a kid, I used to hear that term. And like, I love the approach I had it as a kid. I really thought it meant like that you're washing your fruits and vegetables <laughs> before you eat them. That's the only kind of clean eating I can support. <laughs> and so when I was like, 14, 15, like even in my eating disorder, every time I heard someone talk about clean eating, I was like, yeah, like I've been clean eating my whole life. And, you know, people would look at me and they'd be like, really? and like, oh, I was born on a clean eating diet. Like my parents always made me clean eat. And that's it wasn't so until, wholesome. <laughs> and it wasn't until I was 15 that someone was like, that's disordered. And I was like, then I looked up, I was like, maybe we're not talking about the same thing. And I learned that that's not what people refer to clean eating as yep <laughs> um but you know the kind of clean eating that people who are you know in quotes in recovery talking about um not just washing their fruits and vegetables uh you know I think it can be really hard to get sucked into like well yeah like what you say like I used to think why do they get to recover like that and the truth is like mm-hmm. I feel like switching around my mindset for me at least to like well I get to have a full fulfilling life and recovery. And for me, I know I don't want, like for me, I had to realize I didn't want my recovered life to be for the main focus to be food or body or numbers or any of those things. And 
if I became a bodybuilder, um, m- a big part of my life is still going to be my body, probably going to be what I eat, what I exercise, all of that. And I, I think, you know, it's like there's a term like symptom swapping a little bit. And so my eating disorder could convince me like, well, you know, one thing I wanted was like to not be like medically in danger. And I was like, well, they're not medically in danger. So therefore they don't have an eating disorder. They don't have issues anymore. But the truth is that, you know, it's a mental disorder. So if they're still mentally, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know where they're at mentally. You don't know mm-hmm. if they're crying at night still. And you don't know if, you know, I think it's just, you can only see a little bit of what, what they want you to see is what you see. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. What people want you to see is what you see. And this is especially with social media, right? You do not know what is behind behind the handle, right? You don't know what's behind the reels where someone runs around with their green smoothie seen to having the time of their life. You don't know, right? You don't know. And even even if that person was happy that way, would you be happy that way, right? So I think just so important to to remember and literally eyes on your own plate. I think eyes on your own plate is really important. Um, something you said made me remember I remember from my own experience in early recovery I used to have these thoughts and then I've had some people reach out to me and they're like is this like normal to think this or like how do you get rid of thinking this way I used to always think like oh I wish I could eat like them and the thing is is eventually like you can eat like them Um, it's not going to guarantee that you're going to have the same body as them but first of all the body's you know just the vessel to your soul and second of all if you see someone you want to eat like them for the most part, unless, you know, money or food insecurity, like, you could eat like them, you know, and I used to get, like, in my head, I'd be like, well, I want to eat like them and look like them, and the thing is, you don't really get to choose, like, your body, if you're eating the way your body wants you to eat, you're not going to have very much, very little control over what your body looks like, because genetics and all of that is, like, it's just different, like, mm-hmm. this, yeah, Exactly. And I think this is so important that you can take 10 people who all eat the exact same and even exercise the exact same. They're still going to look different. Right. And I think very often with social media, people are when they're almost like people think, well, if I eat like that person, I'll be that person. I live their life. I'll get what they have. I'll get the the partner, the house. I get this and that like you've been you're sold like a lie that if you just eat this specific way if you just move the specific way this will happen to you right but everyone is different right everyone has different needs and everyone has different genetics right oh I I think that's so true and even in terms of like the different needs like I think it's you know everyone's body is so different in recovery like I I one question I get asked all the time is like why don't you do what I eat in a day is especially in recovery and I'm always I'm someone who's that's not my thing I I mean, mm. personally, I think they can cause a lot of harm. Um, but one of the things I also reply, I was like, well, everyone's body is so different in recovery, like needs such uniquely different things. Like, for example, I when I was in recovery, you know, I was born with, um, for those of you who don't know, like stage three kidney disease. So when I'm in recovery, you know, my recovery, just as everyone else's, but a little bit, you know, was a little bit different because I couldn't you know, there's things that for my kidneys I couldn't have, but then for recovery, we're encouraged. And like, there's just, you never know what, you know, everyone's body is going through different, even if it's similar, very different things. So I think it's really hard, like that comparison. And uh, another like really 
myth that I want to talk about is I get all the time is like, well, if I eat healthy, even even in quotes, if I gain weight, then it's okay, socially okay. And I feel like there's this myth that like, it's okay to gain weight, but only if you do it in quotes, the healthy way. And I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, see, this is uh, one of the many traps can people can fall into in recovery, but early recovery, but also throughout the recovery. I, I have even done podcast episodes about this as well. So there is no such thing as, you know, again, there's no such thing as bad food and good food, right? I think so often when it comes to, I mean, I see this in eating disorder recovery, but also in general, you know, society sometimes reinforce it that this is good food, this is bad food, right? But the truth is that in recovery and in life in general, having that good, bad binary around food, is just not going to help you, right? And then people will sometimes ask me like, oh, well, but if I eat, will I gain differently? Like, is it somehow like I'll get a different body if I eat that way versus this way? No, not really. That's not really how it works, right? That's not really how it works, right? And overall, you know, you can technically, yeah, of course, you can go through recovery and eat only your quote unquote safe foods and eat what you deem as quote unquote healthy and the right way to eat. But the problem is then you're not really going to rewire your disordered fears, right? You're going to be in a recovered body maybe, but then you'll still panic because your friends wanted to grab pizza and you're just so frozen because you haven't challenged that fear because you've just been recovering on quinoa and avocado, right? So you're doing yourself a huge disservice by completely neglecting the rewiring part. And that includes rewiring, rewiring your fears, right? I often say that, you know, there are rewiring is when recovery there's like these four four main, main, main pillars you know rewire restoring weight and rest and refeeding right but you can always you know if you neglect neglect one of them you're not really going to get the full package of recovery right so yeah you may be in a healthier body you may be refed but you won't have rewired fears which means you probably won't have that full freedom so i always encourage people don't fall into the trap of hyper focusing on eating quote unquote healthy and recovery if you are terrified of cake there is no such there is nothing healthier than eating that cake and even if you aren't terrified of cake you can still eat cake like i'm not terrified of cake i love cake right it's not like oh i can only eat these things because i'm in recovery right you can eat them anyways oh i you said so many positive amazing things in that statement and uh some of the things I wanted to reiterate was like definitely to have like full freedom and a full recovery it's important to go through every aspect of recovery you know not to choose your pick of the litter like okay I'll I'll do the physical part but but not really the rewiring or you know and in terms of rewiring I remember I even made this post once that was like you're not really going to achieve that full freedom I think in my opinion like if you're sort of thought say like if you're still using disordered thoughts to like justify why you're eating or, you know, I'll recover because this won't make me gain weight. You know, you got to change the mindset to like whatever works for you. But I, in my opinion, something closer to, you know, like who cares? Personally, one thing I tell people is they're like, well, one, one meal won't make me gain weight or something. But like one thing that worked for me personally was I would say, and if it does, like mm-hmm. and if it does mm-hmm. what's the what's the problem and I think exactly. that's really yeah. awesome and then um my brain's blank oh yeah I just think that definitely like having that rounded recovery can be really important mm-hmm. yeah you know I love what you said there with like oh when you hear that to- that thing of oh one meal won't make you gain weight don't worry right actually like 
seeing weight gain as this big bad wolf rather than an essential part of healing you know I, and unfortunately, this can sometimes be rationalized by treatment professionals like, oh, don't worry about that. It's fine. You won't gain weight if you do this. And that's like, well, even if you do, it's fine. Weight gain is not inherent. It's not it's just it's not like a negative thing. It's just a neutral. Right. And in recovery, if, if you are someone who needs to put on weight in recovery and if your body wants to put on weight in recovery, that's a good thing. That is a necessary part of it. You can't just eliminate the need for weight gain. People often want, they're like, oh, I want to recover, but I don't want to gain weight. Well, okay, recovery means being free from your eating disorder. And what part of you is it that want that want to prevent weight gain? The part of you that want to prevent weight gain is the eating disorder, right? If you didn't have an eating disorder, you wouldn't have been so hung up and not gaining weight, right? So you can't like recover, but then have, such a basic thing controlled by the eating disorder right I I totally agree with that and I think I I used to hear things like that in early recovery and I remember my brain would go like well why why don't I why do I have to gain weight like normal people in quotes um you know in quotes normal people they don't they don't they're allowed to diet they they get to they get to not gain weight like what's up with that and I think realizing that well, they haven't, they're not in starvation mode. They're not with an eating disorder, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, that is such a common one. Like, oh, why are other people allowed to diet? Why can't I? And, you know, I often, when people say that I remind them, it's a little bit like, okay, why can an alcoholic in recovery, why do they need to abstain from alcohol? I know that I can very, I can go to the bar, I can have a glass of wine. It's, it's, and I, I'm, I'm not going to jump headfirst into alcoholism because I don't have that predisposition, right? But I do know that even as someone who's fully recovered and has been fully recovered without a relapse for years, I still know that I have a genetic predisposition to an eating disorder where if I'm in an energy deficit, I know that certain things are going to happen in my head. I know that I can never diet again. I don't have any any desire to, you know, because that desire went away with with the eating disorder with recovery, right? Uh, but overall, yes, there are some people who can go on a diet without their entire life collapsing into an eating disorder and being all-consuming. Some people go on a diet, feel a bit grumpy for a week. They're like, screw this, and then they go back and eat normally, right? That, but not. But if you have that predisposition, you know, with an eating disorder. You can't do that in the same way that an alcoholic can't be like, oh, the other people here are having a glass of wine with dinner. I should do it. It doesn't work like that. I I love that comparison so much because I feel like no one ever questions why an alcoholic can't drink. Um, Like, I think the same thing kind of happens in terms of like diet foods. Like, well, this person can eat this low, low, low everything food. Like, why isn't it healthy for me? And I think it's kind of the same thing as like, if you viewed it as that's that's what your eating disorder wants like you can't that's giving in that's giving it an inch and mm-hmm. I think yeah everything you said along that line was really great um with that said as much as I would love to keep talking to you forever I do try to keep my episodes about 45 minutes and I know unfortunately I know all my viewers would really love to hear you keep talking because you've seriously been an amazing guest and not to over compliment <laughs> you. you I'm just very honored that you're on it once again um, but I always give guests an opportunity to say any like closing remarks they want, anything they wanted to reiterate, uh, anything they wanted to add at all. Um, no, not really, except trust the process and don't feel like you need to wait for the perfect moment to get started. You know, there is no such thing. You're going to spend your whole life waiting. 
just get started look at it as I often say look at recovery almost like going to the dentist you probably don't want to do it but you just do it anyway because you know that you have to do it right once you start looking at recovery a bit more that way and actually get started that's usually when the motivation will come and enjoy it when it when it lasts but don't tie your entire recovery into motivation and feeling like woohoo I really want to do this because recovery is not always easy but it's always worth it absolutely a hundred percent just wanted to you know affirm affirm everything that you said today and without that I will see you guys at the next episode